0: So, I apologize um, for being me. I'm not Carol Davis. um, And I couldn't even pretend. I mean, I was trying to look for a blonde wig, and we just decided that we're going to have to just change speakers uh, and let y'all know. So, Carol lost her voice. And Carol is really great. And so, I'm a stand in. Uh, My name is Chuck Cheatham, Charles Fielding. I am a family practice doctor. My wife, Michelle, is here. She never gets to come with me. So this is really great that she's here. We've been missionaries overseas since 1995. So y'all, I'm looking for the, for the tail on this thing because I'm afraid it's... Here it is. gonna put it in my pocket. So we're here to talk about multiplication. And Carol probably would do it a little bit differently than me, except, though, I have to admit... I was looking up a verse on the parable of the sower of the seed and the person that's helping me set up said, oh, Carol was just here and that's the verse that she uses. So that's good. So maybe some of the content's the same. But I am going to come at it like a like a guy, like a doctor, like a missionary. And she would come at it uh, like a girl, like a smart person, like someone that knows what they're talking about. That's not really true. We do... We, Our job is all about multiplication, all right? So let's pray and let's get started. And um, we're just going to give this time to God, and I think it's going to be really good because I was talking somewhere else, and I told people there's several parts, and there's a third part that I want to do, but I don't have time to do it, and it's, it's the multiplication part. So we didn't do it over there. So it's not that I'm not prepared. I had prepared to do this. in in another room and so this this actually works out really good Heavenly Father we thank you for this place we thank you for this church for sponsoring this uh, for this event Um, we give this time completely over to you Father we don't want to just talk and fill dead air and we don't want this to be a show and we don't really want this to just be one of those conferences where you go to be entertained Um, this whole conference exists so that eternity will be changed, so that there will be more people in heaven, so that we will uh, advance the knowledge of Your glory, and so that we will hasten Your return. We look forward to that day, Lord, when all will be made right, and we dedicate ourselves to that purpose and to that end, and we pray that this talk would be consistent with that, and we offer this prayer and this talk in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to get up here on stage. I'm going to take my tail with me. So I'll give you a smidge in the background. I was an English major, creative writing, uh, barely trying, working a couple of jobs, mainly uh, trying to look at girls, find girls, be with girls. I I went also going to college on the side. And praying, and so I have a degree, if anybody wants it, in creative writing. I've got a second degree in psychology. I don't use either of those. And I was praying, Lord, why did you put me on this earth, and what do you, what do you want me to do? And I, was, I prayed that for several years, like eight years. And I didn't really have a backup plan. I mean, I was getting these college degrees, but I was not trying to prepare my own future, because I knew that I would mess it up. That's about all I knew. God is smarter than you. Uh, and that worked. I was a young man, and so I was like, give everything to God. And I was backpacking in Canada, and God came out of the mountains, and he said, go to medical school. I'm sending you places where missionaries cannot go. And I was like, this was cool. I just heard from God. Uh, and But God is speaking crazy talk. I don't know what these things are. Medical school I've heard of, but... I have never studied two consecutive hours in my life. I've got no study discipline. I don't have the grades. I don't have the drive. I don't have the nothing. But you are God, and so I guess I should obey you. And I guess if you're God and you can part the Red Seas, maybe you can get me into medical school. We're going to find out how powerful you are. What is the extent of your power? Because you're in my world now. And uh, I didn't know what a missionary was. And I definitely didn't know what he meant when he said... Places where missionaries can't go. But I was ready to learn. So the answer was, yes, sir. If you're God enough to get me into medical school, I'll be try to be man enough to study up and get through it. And I became a doctor. I went to family practice. I prayed, oh, Lord, please don't make me do this by myself. I will if you say so. But, oh, I'd really rather, rather go with somebody who can cook. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So God gave me the perfect wife along the way, and we're still in love after 25 years. And he also gave us those offspring that just sprang off. and um, <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome kids. Caleb is in pre-med down in Stetson, Florida, and Mallory Grace says she wants to be a master's of public health in California. And I'm pretty sure it's just because the word master sounds like cool to her, because um, she's going to tell her brother, now I am the master's. Um, so, two great kids, we have used those silly letters after my name, M.D. Dot dot, as like our whole career. And this is just God did it. God did what he said he wanted to do. So, we started in Pakistan and we just rode the ride. I mean, you just don't try to manipulate your future and don't try to land where you want to land. Just put your hands behind your back and go, okay, God, what's next? And that's what happens. And now that I'm an old man, I can tell you how to live. We started in Pakistan, and we figured we'd be there for 35 years. I mean, I was working on a Rose Garden and putting up the Laura Ashley border in the baby's room when we got kicked out of Pakistan because apparently I'm CIA, or so they told us. So we got kicked out of there, and we went to Singapore to get some training and to change our passports, and we went into Kashmir, which is kind of a war zone. And we found out that God sent us to Pakistan to learn the language and to learn the, the, uh, the culture so that we could be kicked out, so that we could go into Kashmir, which is like 100 miles away, but it's in the war zone area. And we never would have started off in a war zone. But God had a sovereign plan. And when you lay down your life and you um, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly pleasing to the Lord and you don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but you're renewed by the transforming of your mind, then you will know how to test and approve God's perfect and good will. And so that's how we knew the will of God, by every day just laying down, like I did before God spoke to me on the mountain. It worked so well, i just continue to do it. God, I'm yours. Do with me, with, it, with, with me and with my family what you want. And he did send us into war zones. Uh, but But he took good care of us. And even if we had died, we would have been following our jesus christ he died for us so it's pretty easy to reciprocate when you keep keep in perspective that we're just made from clay and he's the god of the universe that condescended to earth and lived here and let us the dirt clods put him to death so that's the kind of god i want to follow and i want to follow him with every atp in my body and every microsecond of my future And so God sent us from Pakistan, and then we became became church planting teachers, teaching people how to use health strategies. Because being a doctor and knowing about health care is what got us into very strategic places and what helped us get into closed countries, closed communities, closed Muslim homes, closed Muslim hearts, and people came to Christ when they heard the gospel. If you can get physically in the right position sitting on the floor opposite people that have never heard the gospel of grace and talking openly, people will come to faith. Why do we still have one-third of the planet that has not received or yeah bowed their knee to Jesus Christ? They've never heard. Why not? Nobody can get to them. They're tucked away in closed houses, closed communities, closed countries. The easy places are done. We got hard places left, really hard places. But doctors, there's just not many thing, places that, that that we can't open the door with with M D. Nurse practitioners, physical terrorists, um, physical <laughs> physical therapists, all you masters of public health, you masters so that's what this conference is all about. Please leverage your talents wisely. God has gifted you with brains and ability and affluence and this great, but although weird English language, which is the lingua, lingua franca, which is weird to say it in French, but that's what it is, and you've got all these talents. Please don't waste it by staying in America, or just taking mission trips, or going somewhere that's convenient and easy. Get the gospel to the last people groups, to the ends of the earth, because God's gospel is worth it. And your salvation is not to be wasted. We went to Cyprus. We based out of there for a while, working on northern Africa, the Middle East, also in Afghanistan and some a little bit in Central Asia. We moved to Turkey for a short time. We, finally, we settled in, in Jordan, and we were there for six years. We have yet to complete three years in the same house and 25 years of marriage. Sounds weird, right? Maybe it is. It's, it's not what we would have chosen. It's not what we would have not chosen. What we like, what we don't like are not relevant issues. We belong to Jesus Christ and we follow him and we go where he wants us to go. And I'm not saying like this is braggy. I'm really nothing of a guy following an incredible Lord. I just want to emphasize to you young people, it's all about laying down your life. And don't say, well, just I want to. Boy, you've already tied God's hands behind his life, behind his back. If you say, I want to live in a climate that's conducive to growing petunias or whatever. Whatever you want is not... A good thing. It's going to be a barrier between you and Allah, Jesus Christ. So um, we lived in Jordan for six years. We continue to reach out to Northern Africa and the Middle East because we believe that those are the most uh, inaccessible places on earth. Uh, Afghanistan is another example. We were focused on the Somali people and Afghans and Mauritania, a lot of stuff in the Sahara Desert. We moved to the Darfur region of Sudan for a little while. We moved to Yemen for a little while. We went to Ethiopia for the last two years um, to try to get closer to Chad and Sudan and um, mobilize South Sudanese up into Sudan, trying to get the gospel to last people groups. And part of that is because we've got this medical degree; it gives us the ability to move around strategically and wisely. Okay, so that's the reason I'm passionate about you guys. I like like using using your skills and your Your degree. Leverage it for the kingdom of God. Right? Multiplication is the ultimate leverage. So if I want to lift a car, I can't do it. But if I can get a little fulcrum and a big, big, long, long stick and stand out here, I can multiply my 150 pounds and I can multiply that and I can leverage it to turn over a car. All right. Well, in, in disciple-making terms, we're supposed to go make disciples of all nations. And the difference is, if I go over here and I win you to the Lord, I've done a good thing for you. I've won you to the Lord, I've done a good thing for you. I'll get to about here before I've got to go to lunch. And then all you guys are lost. And we'll, I, I will never reach the 4.2 million Kashmiris that I was assigned to reach. And then when I looked at my budget one day, it was like, okay, I've got like three thousand dollars, three thousand dollars into four point two B You know, I had like four cents per person or something ridiculous, if you think of it that way, in an additive way. It's all about me and my resources and my abilities. It is not possible to do. So what do you do? You go back and you look at the pattern. His name was Jesus. And he made twelve disciples. And then he empowered them with the Holy Spirit. And he said, it is to your benefit that I leave. Whoa! He left them? How could he leave? What are they going to do without him? It's all going to die, right? The movement's over. It is to your benefit that I leave, he said. Because if I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you into all truth. And then later he said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about multiplication And that's our clever way to make us bigger than ourselves by I tell two people and they tell two people and I get kind of a pyramid scheme going. But that's not where the magic happens. The magic is in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are more than you, you are you plus God's abilities. You have spiritual gifts. He's got your back. He does miracles through you. He empowers you to go further than you ever thought you could do. Through faith, you can accomplish more than the human you can accomplish. And so that is, never forget, I'm going to start talking about numbers and stuff. And please remind me, it's all about the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes multiplication happen. Alright? Any questions, comments? criticisms, complaints, or anything else that it starts with C. Alright, so um, when I teach uh, about, actually I use this in witnessing a lot. So first I'm going to tell you how I witness with this. I was sitting in my clinic in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm in the, Michelle and I are in the States, and under protest you know, we don't want to be in the States. We're just not good at it anymore in the States. You guys do a lot of weird stuff that we don't understand. What's this Netflix thing everybody's talking about? Um, and tweeting and twerking. I don't, can never remember which is which. <laughs> y'all have invented a lot of new words and stuff since we've been gone over 20 years. And so we would like to be overseas. However, um, there are some good things that y'all do. And one of them is continuing medical education for old out of touch doctors. So I came back to the States and I'm retooling and Michelle is also taking training in how to be a physical exercise coach because what we want to do is we want to get the gospel into the Arabian Peninsula because there's like no known churches among um, Emiratis and Qataris and even among Saudis. There's no really groups of born again Saudis meeting. And are tens of millions of people with and, and no church. And that's just untenable. And so um, that's what we want to do. So how do you get into Saudi Arabia? Well, you can get in, but how do you get into Saudi homes where you can share the gospel? So what we're doing is we're retooling ourselves and retraining ourselves. So I'm getting a board certification in bariatrics because they have a, a, an obesity epidemic the same way that we do in North America. They don't know what to do about it. We're, we're, I know we sound like we're behind, but we're way ahead of them figuring out how to handle this problem. So I'm getting some training in bariatrics. Michelle's becoming a physical trainer so that we can go home to home and we can tell, share the gospel with people. Right? So we're going to get a, some converts and then we're going to train them about Christ and we're going to make disciples, right? That's kind of the way it is. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. So when I was over here and I, give, I tell one person the gospel, that's really good for that person. So I share the gospel with you and you become a Christian. And that's really good for you because you're going to heaven now. And that makes you happy. And it makes God happy because he's got a daughter into his kingdom. But I didn't completely obey the command of Christ, did I? What was the thing that Jesus told us to do? Go make disciples. Now, I'm not positive what the, what the difference is because Paul and Barnabas went to Derbe and they won a large number of disciples. Well, they didn't win Christians and make them into disciples. So I'm not sure what the word is. But I do know this. When we look at the Bible and we look at Paul and Barnabas in Derbe, they leave and the gospel continues to multiply. So a convert or a Christian is a one-off, cool thing, salvation for that person. But if I really want to benefit you, I'm going to make you a disciple and then you're going to share the gospel and share the gospel. And not only you are going to get saved, but members of your family are going to be saved. And that's much better for you. And it's tons better for them, and it's what is better for the kingdom of God and for God. So we don't make converts. We make disciples. And multiplication is built into that word. A disciple by definition makes disciples. Remember Jesus Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and I'm going to know you by your fruit. And if you don't cut, if you don't produce fruit, I'm cutting you down and throwing you into the fire. So those, whoever's thrown in the fire, they're not disciples. Jesus won't throw his own disciples in the fire. So, disciples produce fruit. It could be fruit of the Spirit, but I think it's more disciples. Disciples produce disciples. A disciple is a disciple maker. So when we go overseas, we don't try to make converts. We don't try to make Christians. We try to make disciples. And that's what Paul and Barnabas did, was they made disciples, and the disciples would multiply. Okay? While we're in the States, uh, I work in an inner-city clinic, and I'm on faculty of a residency program. Wrong thing. Where's my cell phone? Ah, found it. And one day, I was witnessing and witnessing, and everybody in their cat in Memphis has heard the gospel about 30 times. And so it makes it harder to witness. When the Muslims haven't heard the gospel, they're like, really? This is very interesting. Tell me what else the Bible says. It's great. You come to America, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... The church this, the church that and they got gripes with the church. I don't know if they have gripes with God. They don't know God. They know the church and they grow Christianity. They're Christians and so it's really hard to witness to them. So one day I tried to do tact. So I'm sitting there with this guy and I said, I'm going to tell you a story. And I want there, I'm going to give you four kinds of, of soil. And he's looking at me he's like, in this story, there's four options. And I want you to tell me which one you are. So I told him the story of the, par- the parable of the sower of the seeds. So, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to tell it. It's easier. And I'm thinking, the Holy Spirit put this in my mind, and I sure hope the Holy Spirit remembers all four kinds of seeds or soil, because <laughs> I'm not sure I know them all. But I just started talking. And I thought, well, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit really is. And guess what? He did good. I did not get in his way this time. A sower goes out to, to sow seeds, and he's throwing the seeds, and some of the seed falls on uh, the, tr- the path and it's trampled by people and the birds of the air come and they pick it up and they fly away and there's, there's no, no produce. And some of the uh, seed falls on rocky soil where it's kind of shallow and it springs up quick but then the sun comes out and it withers away because it didn't have enough root. And some of the soil falls on... Uh, thorny, uh, on soil that also has weeds and thorns in it. And it grows up and it gets nice and tall but just before the the sunflower can bloom and with all those beautiful seeds in it, just before it can make produce, the thorns come up and it chokes it out and it does not produce. But some of the seeds fell on the good soil and it grew up and it produced a harvest 30, 60, 100 times itself. Alright, so I told the guy the story. I said, no, here's what that means. The soil are are people's hearts. The seed is the gospel. So the gospel came and it lands on the path where this person doesn't even really hear the gospel. It goes in one ear and it goes out the other. And Satan, the the birds are Satan and he snatches it up and it never gets root, never even gets started. Is that you? The guy goes, no, that's not me. I, I, did, I started pretty good. I said, All right, here's the other kind of soil. And after a while, he interrupts me and goes, I'm the third kind. So he knew, like with the thorns. So we'll get to that in a minute. I said, here's the other kind. Is the, the seed falls on the rocky soil. And it grows up. So this is a Christian that hears the gospel. And they, and they like Christianity. And they get started for a little while. They get some roots. But then the sun comes up. And that's the difficulties of life. The well, difficulties of life come up and they're like, they're so focused on the difficulties of life and on their life that they give it up. There's no produce. And he goes, no, that's not really me either. And so, I mean, he's already told me he's the third soil. said, so the third soil is, the seed falls, it grows up, it grows up strong. It's a Christian that's starting to flourish in the church. I mean, they're becoming something that people look up to. And they've been years in the church. But before it produces fruit all these outside things come, like the love of money and of automobiles and comfort and, and all these wonderful things of the earth come and like weeds, they choke out the Christian from making any produce. He goes, that's me. I said, well, let me tell you about the fourth one. Just so we clear, the fourth one lands in the good soil and it grows up and none of these other issues, the sun and the cares of the world, they do not inhibit the productivity of, of the seed. And it produces 30, 60 to 100 times itself. Okay, so it's a parable of the sower of the seed. And you've got like not even a non-starter Christian and then you've got a, another... Christian that's in the church for a little while. And then you've got a Christian that's in the church for a long time and never produces any fruit. And then you've got a disciple of Jesus Christ. An authentic disciple that believes it all and reproduces it all. And you end up with 30, 60, or 100 more disciples. That's multiplication. Isn't that cool? So how many people are in heaven because of you? Have you thought about it? It feels a little egotistical to, to work on it. If, when I start thinking about that, I was like, oh, wait, 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 I don't want to go that far. It's not about me. And it's not about me. And it's not necessarily about that. But we were commanded to go make disciples. And I've got to tell you, I can't make disciples. Because no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. On the other hand, I can make disciples because pe- the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I know how to tell the gospel. So if you are obedient to to telling to be a gospel teller, you've put in place the mechanics for the Holy Spirit to do the work to produce disciples and somebody will be in heaven because of the words that you said. Or... Maybe you are somebody that makes a ton of money, and you live on a tiny amount, and you send missionaries, and that sends the gospel. Now, I don't want everybody to say, oh, well, good, I don't have to go. I can stand here and write a check for $35 a month. Uh, we ain't talking $35 a month. If you can give more, so it costs $50,000 to send a missionary. If you can give $100,000 a year, you can send two missionaries, you're allowed to stay home. That's my rule. Laughter Okay, there's no rules, but it's something like that. I take ownership of the Great Commission. I'm trying to to send the gospel. I am 80 years old, and I'll never be able to go to Saudi Arabia. Okay, so are you useless to the Kingdom of God? Of course not. You can you can send money that sends the the evangelist, the gospel, to Saudi Arabia. You can send prayers that open up the door, but you have to take ownership and you have to be a part of it. And the church is multiplied through all of us saying this is our task, taking ownership and working together. We utilize what gifts we can and we get multiplication when when we produce disciples in Saudi Arabia and they tell their family and tell their family and tell their family. You see? So don't think, oh, I can't go to Saudi Arabia. I cannot multiply myself. It's not true. Don't listen to Satan. Satan is such a deceiver, such a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. And he wants to tell you that you can't, you've can't. you got no weight to leverage nothing. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can leverage prayers and money and going yourself and encouragement and teaching. You can leverage it so that disciples are made and that's where multiplication takes off. Okay, what do you all think of the story of the sword and the seed? You see how one seed becomes 30, 60, 90, 30, 60, 100, I think it says, and I'm not sure why. 30, 60, 100, more disciples. And if you are not producing fruit, you're not a real disciple. So go back and check yourself on that, because that would be really bad to think. Yeah, but I was a really, really good Christian. Didn't ask you to be a Christian. Okay. A disciple. He's saving disciples. And disciples are disciple makers. That's another whole subject, guys. But he says, unless a man hates his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So we're not talking about just mere vanilla American Christians here. This is put your gear on, get in the game and get bloodied up to being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Right? There's a difference. And if we're going to make disciples in Saudi Arabia, we can't play namby-pamby Christianity, right? So just get rid of that stuff, put on your gear, become a real disciple, and leverage yourself through multiplication to advance the knowledge of God's glory to the ends of the earth as the waters cover the sea. That was kind of rough. I'm a mean person. I'm a doctor. Doctors are mean people. Especially surgeons. They're exceptionally mean. All right. I'm going to show you another way that we teach a multiplication. And how are we doing on time? Because I don't see a clock in here. It's 10, till. it's 10 till, and we go till 20 after? Oh, we're halfway done. No problem. All right. I want to teach you all something that, that I teach overseas about multiplication. So here's another thing. If you, you can multiply yourself through the gospel. You can multiply yourself through your money. You can multiply yourself through prayers. All right? You can leverage all these things to make disciples, and disciples multiply. Right? Another thing is teaching. So I'm a doctor, and I'm supposed to be healing people. But I found very, very early on, we do a lot of teaching. Like at first it was, this is called soap. To prevent all this illness, after you go to the bathroom, I want you to try using this. Okay? So I'm teaching simple public health lessons in Pakistan and in Kashmir and in refugee camps. And I started realizing, wow, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't go to residency and all that stuff for this. But this does help them the most, most number of people <laughs> physically. And then I realized, oh, it is one step closer to teaching the gospel. Because the gospel is not something that you do. It's a set of information that you teach, right? You have to teach who Jesus was how Jesus was prophesied and then how he came and what he did on the cross and how he rose from the dead and the implications for that for, for people, for lost people. So we, it's something that we teach. So you got to be a teacher, and teachers are good. So even if you're, a, if you're not a teacher, you got to learn how to teach some things. You don't have to teach it in front of big groups. Teaching one person who turns out and multiplies, that's teaching. There's another reason you're not let off the hook. The command of Jesus was... To, he gave this to His disciples. You can't pass this off and say, Oh, well, He was giving it to those guys. No. He gave it to you. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Great Commission was given to you. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. So, you've got to be a disciple maker, and you've got to be a baptizer, and you've got to be a teacher. Or you've got to be a part of that process in some way. You can't blow it off and say it's someone else's responsibility. If you do, you're not likely to produce fruit. And remember what happens to people who don't produce fruit. I'm not trying to scare you to hell. I'm trying to, de- de- define of, to, to scare, try to scare you with hell. I'm trying to define for us. Cut through all the noise and say, "What is a disciple, and what does a disciple do?" Well, a disciple is a disciple maker. They take ownership of this of this command to go make disciples. And a disciple uh, a, a disciple is a teacher. So teach them to obey everything I've commanded. What is that? It seems like a lot. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And that's why discipleship classes in the United States can just go on and on and on interminably. And we just stack up more and more and more academic knowledge. And I guess we're assuming there's going to be a final exam on the day that I die. And I want to have a lot of information so that I can pass that test. It's not like that. If you have the stamp of the Holy Spirit on your forehead or in your heart, God says, oh, that's my child. Come on in. There's no questions. There's no exam. So why are we gaining all this academic knowledge? Well, it's probably Satan's lie to keep us off the mission field or to keep us from really producing fruit. Let's keep them in the church building talking about information. Around and around and around she goes. right. So I've done that. I did some seminary and I've heard all that stuff, but I was not utilizing faith when I was doing that. I was not going out and putting myself at risk and utilizing faith to make a disciple. And with faith, it's impossible to please God. So we don't gain... Disciple making is not tons and tons and tons of academic information. The guys that went to seminary are no better Christians than you guys. They're no no higher disciples. In fact, they're lower. They did a study one time and they, they did the study over and over and over. They found that academic church based theology, based knowledge, as it goes up, is inversely proportionate to how much you witness. So who witnesses? The guy that goes, I might, know, might not know much about this, but I do tell you one thing, Jesus changed my life. And he's sitting out there by his tractor, and then the, you know, the theologian is, let's discuss dispensationalism and Arminianism and Calvinism. And they, want to talk, they want to talk theology, because they love it. They did all this study. Not putting those guys down, but they went into this because they love God, and they maybe they talked themselves right out of fruitfulness by too much, because our system that the dysfunctional legacy that that they inherit, that we're passing on and it goes back to day one of humans uh, humans uh, church you know we started making mistakes from day one and so we're no worse off now probably than the Corinthian church but we do some dysfunctional things and one of them is to say discipleship is a lot of academic knowledge and it's not. So what is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded? Because it does sound like a lot. Well, it's not that much and it's not that hard. You'd be really surprised. There's a guy named George Patterson. Uh, he was with YWAM and he went through the Bible. And I don't know that he was the first one to do it. But he looked at all the imperative statements from Jesus. You know, like, go, make disciples of all nations. That's a command. It's an imperative. Or... Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind. Okay, that's an imperative statement. So he wrote them all down. I think it was like 50 statements. Then he realized, oh, they cluster into groups. So he put them into groups. Now, they're not perfect. Um, but they were really good. And he came up with seven of them. Again, because when you teach things and you're a Christian, you have to have seven. You can't have six or eight. I don't know why. Isn't that weird? So we call it the seven commands of Christ. And i taught this for years, and I always had trouble remembering it. And then there was a group in India, and they were using hand motions. So I stole their idea, and I'm going to pass it on to you guys. It's the seven commands of Christ, and they're very simple. And the first one is, repent, put your faith in Jesus, and receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? So do it with me. It's like a little car, and we're going the wrong way. We're going the world's way. This is the way of humanity. And then we realize, oh my gosh, I'm wrong. Jesus is right. And so we repent. So repent. Put your faith in Jesus and catch a dove and put it in your heart. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's a good one, isn't it? Now look, that's, a, that's one of the commands of Christ. Not exactly a command of Christ. Part of this comes from when Peter's preaching and the people say, what should we do? And he said, you should repent and be baptized and put your faith in Jesus Christ and so you too will receive the Holy Spirit. But it's... it's It's definitely what—it's the heart of what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about repentance and receiving the Holy Spirit and having faith in Him. Number two is be baptized. Pretty easy, huh? So I do like this: be baptized. Or you Presbyterians can go be baptized. Okay, whatever. I don't know how y'all do it, Um, but just be sure you do it because it's a command of Christ. And it's one of the early commands. It's the first, they said, what are we supposed to do? And he said, repent and be baptized. It's the first command where you do something in faith and demonstrate, I'm going from my old self to my new self. I am dying and being buried under the ground and the old me is dead. But through the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, I am a new creature and I'm washed clean. So, repent, put your faith in Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized. Easy so far, Right? The third one's a little tricky. It's love. Now, I'm a child of the 70s, and so I embrace this one. Um, I love love. And I demonstrate it with literal embracing. So here I am, hugging myself. Love God. Love your neighbors. Love the church. And love your enemies. Now, this is the last compound one. This is the, only, the last one that's going to be four in one, so don't get too scary. But you see how they're all in the Bible. And you could just say love, and that would be good. But I want you to remember, there's, there's lots of different kinds of love. There's God. There's your neighbors that live around you. You're supposed to love the church. And don't forget to love your enemies. Pray. See how simple it is, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. There, so far, we have not gotten anything about Reformed theology. We don't have anything even about Methodism or Baptistism or Catholic and Protestantism. Nothing, nothing about that so far. I'm sure it will come up. Pray, right? I don't think there's any more we need to say. Take the Lord's Supper. You guys think you could teach these lessons? Care for the needy. I changed this one. It used to say give to the poor. And I realized in the Bible it really says more care for the needy. And that's what the church is doing. So I like that one. But I I demonstrate it. I'm reaching in my pockets and I'm giving to the needy. And the last one is go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you is not that hard. And this is how you make a disciple. If a person will do all those things, repent, And put the faith in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. At that point, you might almost well be done. Because it's happened sometime. Remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? He got through number one and number two, be baptized. And then he never saw the guy again. Does that mean that guy couldn't produce fruit because he didn't learn all the love? No, the Holy Spirit... Drove him and and taught him to multiply, I'm sure. So if you're in a taxi and you can only get through like number one and number two, you may still well have made a disciple that will go out and multiply. However, it's most best if you can meet with a disciple, a brand new disciple, and walk them through some of these basic things. But there is no reason to teach them the words Catholic and Protestant. When you're in Saudi Arabia, they just don't need to know it. They don't need to know the word Baptist or Presbyterian. They don't need to know Armenianism or Calvinism. They just don't need it. These are controversial doctrines that Satan has introduced to us so that we don't obey Jesus to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Isn't it sad the way our earth is messed up? Don't worry. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth and it's going to be better. All right. Let me, that's not a very good picture, but... I went to Mauritania because a friend there said, I've led like 30 people to the Lord. He, was, uh, he and his wife were Mexican-Americans, and they wanted to get into a closed country, so they went to Mauritania. And said, so what do you do? Open a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was so smart. And it was good food in Mauritania. And they would invite me to come and see, see them. And he said, we're kind of stuck because they were both evangelists good evangelists. Ca- so everybody in the kitchen was saved. Their, the guy that cut the grass was saved. The guy, the neighbors that lived on both sides of the earth. Everybody that they touch is getting saved. But there's a million people in Nawashat, in their town. And so they, they were making converts, which is good. Getting a lot of people salvation. But they didn't teach people how to multiply. So uh, he had like 30 people. People would come in and sit down and before they got to the end of their meal, they've heard about Jesus. It's really cool. And they can't get in that much trouble because they're running a Mexican restaurant. So what? They like to talk about Jesus. It's not like they're missionaries or anything. They run a Mexican restaurant. Pretty cool, huh? So I went and I was like, all right, let's think about this. What can we do? So the first thing I did to help them multiply, and I, I, I started to do this too, but it's a little bit too much, was I we pulled out Luke chapter 10. I said, let's just do this right down the line. He sent them out two by two. He told them to pray to the Lord of the harvest and to go and to heal the sick and to proclaim the gospel. Okay, So it's like really simple. And the key to it all is two by two. So he took the 30 people and we put them in teams of two. And we said, you're supposed to pick a village and you're supposed to pray before you go. Pray that there'll be more harvesters. And their harvesters are actually not coming from America. They're in the village. They're people that are going to come to Christ and then they're going to share the gospel with their neighbors and stuff like that. And so anyway... I also taught them seven commands of Christ and they loved it. So that's baptism. I don't know what Paco's problem is. He's like, dude, you do it to the left, not to the right. I don't know. He's, he's mad. But all of these guys have started a, uh, their own house church. They went being from one church to 20 churches in one year. See how it multiplied with learning some of the lessons about teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Uh, Jesus did not command us to go two by two, but he did sell it. And it's a good thing. And so when I put them into twos, it, everybody wants to do this, all this stuff. But it's kind of lonely and kind of scary. And when you got a partner, you're like, man, this is kind of lonely and kind of scary. I mean, do you think we should do it? I'm like, yeah, I think we should do it. I couldn't do it by myself, but let's do it. All right, well, when do you think we should start? Well, how do you think? Let's meet tomorrow morning. And pretty soon we're doing it. And we're planning a church. Two people is so brilliant to send them out. Again, it's not... One of the commands, but it's one of the things to learn. And this is where they went out two by two, and they would go into the communities. So, it here's the content of how I I taught them to multiply. Um, Know how to tell your testimony. Know how to share your gospel. Know these seven commands of Christ. Get in twos and go. And they went and they planted. I think it was 16 to 20 churches the next. 15 months. Now, they all got thrown into jail and arrested and all kinds of bad things happened. But that's pretty much the story of Christianity, isn't it? We can't start off just trying to avoid the persecution. I think I'm going to stop and I'm going to see about questions. How are we doing on time? Okay, this room should have a clock in it for people like me. Alright, so do you all have any questions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, a lot of the time, yeah. Uh your on that? I guess that's a major question. Sure. You can put
1: yourself in harm's way, but
0: sacrifice sure. others. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's a great question. And so to, to, I really come to this conference because I want to try to help mobilize career missionaries. That's all I really care about. I think that's how we're going to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, is with career missionaries and medical missionaries are the best. We're talking about really hard, scary places that are left, okay? Grand Cayman has been done. Um, <laughs> sorry. If we could get them to move out and get the Saudis to move to Grand Cayman, now that would be an idea. <laughs> then we could do Grand Cayman over again. Okay, America has been done so many times. It's been reaped and, reaped and reaped and reaped and reaped. And now, if you're out there, you're just gleaning over in America to try to do it. So, the, the last places are hard and they're dangerous and, and they're hard to market. I mean, I can't like get people excited about killer Muslims of the Sahara Desert. How do you market something like that? But that's, so you say, yeah, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to be a valiant, courageous warrior for Jesus Christ. Oh, wait a minute. I've got a wife and kids. And it's scary and it's hot. And how am I going to educate my kids? Okay, so real questions come into your head. There's some theologies that you have to work through. Okay, The most important one being the, the sovereignty of God. So you have to work through that if you've never done it before. I hate to tell this story, but it was easier for me. Um, I was kind of led to the Lord by my brother when I was 14. And a year later, he was killed in a car crash in the safest community on the globe. Small rural community. I realized God's sovereign. He, he, he brought my brother home for a reason. Maybe it was to make me a disciple. That's the reason he got killed when he did. God's sovereign. Nothing. You can point a gun at me and you can pull the trigger, but I can't die unless Jesus says so. You can't pull the trigger unless Jesus says so. I can't go to jail unless Jesus says so. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father? Okay, you have to work through this until you really, 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 really understand it and are willing to risk your life on it. So knowing the words is one thing, but then being able to step out and that's called faith. And I gave this example earlier, but fear is real and bad things are real. So, you start learning about Christianity. And you're like, oh, I think I know how to do this. Yeah, I'm following Jesus. I know how to do it. I know which way to go. And there's white lines on the side and I'm on a track. It's just like being on a track, right? And you get a little faster and a little faster and go, I'm a good Christian. I know exactly how to be a Christian. You stay between the lines and you go the direction he said. Right, And you're passing other Christians and you're going, I'm a great Christian because I'm passing other Christians. Because right? you, know, you, you know, you think you know what to do. And you look up and there is a hurdle that is a good 15 inches higher than you know you could ever possibly jump. And you're like, nobody ever told me there's going to be hurdles. And that's like this. I'm afraid. There's a fear hurdle. God asked me to do something. Take your wife and your children in the cashmere. And you're like, oh, God wouldn't say something like that. God cares about me and my family, and he would not ask me to put my family in harm's way. Where did you get that garbage? That is just not biblical at all. Of course he'll ask you to put yourself and your family so that you can know about his power and his sovereignty. Or so that uh, he will, are not like we considered as sheep to be slaughtered. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I'm not that big a deal, although I think I am. So, I'm running along, I see a hurdle, all these thoughts are going through my mind. Oh, God wouldn't ask me to jump a hurdle that I can't jump. Oh, God wouldn't put me in a situation in which I could get hurt, because if I don't jump, if I don't clear that hurdle, I'm going to get hurt. And then you're like, maybe he did. Maybe there's a way around this. (laughs) I can go around it. And then you realize, I can't. I'll disqualify myself. I'll go outside the lines, the parameters that God's... I'll stop. That's it. I'll just come up to it and I'll stop. No, I can't. I was commanded to go. And so, somewhere in there, while you're working through this process, sitting there in Singapore and God's told you what to do, oh, did I talk about my own life there? Sorry. Uh, You think, I'm just going to jump, and my leg's going to go through the middle, and I'm going to fall, and I'm going to snap my femur, but at least I'm going to obey Jesus Christ, and this is going to hurt. And you go, and then you jump. God lifts you up 20 inches and you clear that hurdle through the power of God. You jump in faith in obedience to do the right thing having no idea how it would turn out and no backup plan and no safety net and not even any insurance. And you, God lifts you over and you land on the other side and you go, Now I see how it works. It's all about God's power. I'm never going to be afraid again but you are <laughs> but for a minute there you think faith totally works and faith does work and that's the deal is you take your family into Kashmir into a war zone into Darfur and you say this is right these people are dying and I'm a doctor these people have never heard the gospel and I'm a repository of the gospel it's the right thing to do, and God is sovereign. If He doesn't want me to go, He will break my legs before He lets me get on an airplane. I'm going. And you do the right thing, and you find out God makes your path so right, and He blesses your family on the way. And even if you end up in jail or end up hurt, and we did suffer to some degree in, in hot desert places and like that, He gives you peace. He gives you joy. He benefits you in ways that you can't explain. Peter asked Jesus... Jesus said, Come and follow me. And, and, and people are saying, No, no, no. And they're leaving. And Peter said, What about us? We give up everything to follow you. And I thought Jesus was just going to blast Peter for saying that. Why? How dare you talk back to God? It's not about what you get out of it. I'm God. You should follow me regardless. No, that's not what he said. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Anybody that's given up houses or land or wives or family members to follow me will be paid back. We're getting paid back. I don't have a house. I don't have a car. Actually, I do have a house down, but it ain't much of a house. I mean, you can buy it with chump change. We live down in the hood. But for years, we didn't have a house or a car or any money or anything that people on this earth value. But I consider myself to be the wealthiest, uh, richest person that I've ever met. I'm a, I wasn't voted most likely to succeed in my high school, but I dogged everybody else because of the peace and the joy and the home waiting for me in heaven. Does that kind of answer it? Yeah, you do the right thing regardless of fear. You take your wife, you take your kids, and you say, gosh, I'm risking my life. I'm okay with that. Am I allowed to risk my wife's life, honey? Do you mind? <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah, exactly. And then you, if she's a disciple, yeah, you do that. And then you're like, what about these kids? They're our property. Oh, yeah, they're our property. Yeah, we do with one. Yeah. And if you lose a kid, you realize, I lost my brother in Memphis, Tennessee, in the safest place in the world. God's sovereign over that. But I have to obey. Good question. In the back. I'm going to ask your wife, right. She's the cutest one in the room. Michelle, I'm right, aren't I? No. <laughs> what do you think, Angel? <laughs> uh, it is the best I mean, like to. It, be yeah, time to do the just do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Just do it. has been hard, there have been Okay. What did you get
1: yep. into? But... Lord. Um, um, Not sure.
0: They didn't have a clue but what? <laughs> that what?
1: They were
0: glowing. Oh, they glow white. We're the <laughs> whitest family God ever made. <laughs> I hate getting this white. the smartest person in the room. Did that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, when you get done parenting, what do you want to say that you modeled to your kids? Play it safe Christianity? You know, think about that. When you get finished with your life, what do you want to say you did? What kind of relationship do you want to have with your wife? One in which... He provided for her every comfort and every everything. Or he demonstrated obedience. Two disciples walking side by side, being stronger because of synergy, the power of the Holy Spirit for both of you. It makes you the closest marriage you can imagine. Great family. Those are side issues. I think that's what Jesus, Jesus said. You will get paid back in this life. I think it's that kind of stuff. Because it's sure not money. All right. Any other questions? Yes. Hi. Yeah. And it really
1: addresses these issues because there were problems with um between the Chinese and the Japanese. Mm-hmm.
0: How many people here are praying about career missions? Oh, that's fantastic. See, that's why I I come to this thing. I don't do any other conferences. I don't, because I just don't believe in winning the world through more conferences or through more talk. Um, But this one's kind of an exception because people are, they're getting training. They're paying off their loans. They're trying to find their sending agencies. They're trying to pick their people group. and That's good. All right. Any other questions? Yes, Hi. It's a great question. Um, that's, you know, the one thing that God did not allow me to do is be, become really fluent in any language. So we were on our way to Urdu when he moved us to Turkish and then to Arabic and then the last one was Amharic. And I took Greek and Spanish in, in high school and in college and so I was like, I've gotten to do a little bit of everything but never become really proficient. I, I could share the gospel in Urdu but uh, not well and never could get it in Arabic. And so in my Baptist mission sending agency, that makes me the worst missionary ever. But that's kind of good for me. I like thinking of myself as like a, a remnant or just a throwaway thing. Because that's the way the people of God are. It's not about me and my language abilities. So this is, i got to accept what God gave me. Now, my ego doctors we always like to climb up higher so if there's more language to learn you know that would be me but it's not about me and my ego so having said all that you know what happened god put me in places where uh there were translators and sometimes weird ways we flew into darfur and i started seeing patients and my arabic was different from their arabic and i could understand things like i have i i have i And so I'd ask a question like, what is your problem in your eye? And I would get answers like, I have eye. I have stomach. And and the guy's like, give them medicine. Give them stomach medicine. I was like, I can't practice medicine that way. And this went on for about an hour. I never told anybody I was a doctor. We went in for a vision trip. We were just happening to be unloading our medicine. And people come up, I have eye, I have stomach. We've got 30 people waiting. And we had prayed like crazy before we went to this place. And and 6,000 refugees in the middle of the Darfur Desert. Because of the Darfur crisis, and the guy walks up and he says, I think that you need my assistance. My name is Abdushakur. Can I translate for you? And the guy sat down at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and translated to 11 p.m. and never asked for a penny. This is, called a man of, uh, this is called a man of peace. This is what God sends you. God is, you're not there by yourself. God was there before, God's there now, and God knows what you need, and He provides for you. So Abdu Shakur was our first guy and he was our translator and he was sent from God. I've never been anywhere where I showed up and God did not provide me a place to stay, food for the night, a translator, all these kinds of things. Abdul Shakur was a Muslim. He heard the gospel a lot from me but he, he wasn't very good at translating the gospel but at least we got started. Next time we went back, I took a lady, a born-again Nuba, a Nuba Mountain lady named Thana that God provided and we saw a lot of people come to Christ. And Kashmir... I would speak in English, Urdu, mixed. A lot of people came to Christ. Uh, in Mauritania, I did it in English. Then they translated it into French, Arabic, and Pular. Because we were, there were all different kinds of disciples there. So, yeah, I wish that I could learn. And I think you should. Please, please don't let, hear this and go, Oh, I don't have to learn a language. Hey, if you're in the middle of Chad and there's no English and there's no French, you have to learn Chadian Arabic or tama, or masalit, or whatever language you're speaking. So you have to a lot of times. But in my situation, just God didn't make it happen. And we still proclaim the gospel. All right, guys, it's time to go. Let me pray for you, and then i will send, send you on. Heavenly Father, thank you for this gathering. We do pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts to make us um, better disciples that trust in you and that live by faith. Pray these things in our King, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.